0: All right, church. Man, there's moments where I come into a Sunday and I'm like, God, I don't think I got the right sermon. I don't think I got the right words. I don't think I got anything. And then all of a sudden, he just pours it all on. So here we go. This is all, I mean, that song was just hitting, right? And I got an illustration today. So I know you guys all love some illustrations every now and then. Man, he's been faithful all of our lives. He's been faithful every time, no matter what season you've ever been through, in those moments when it's darkest. When you are most lonely, when you feel most broken, it feels like he's far from you. But if you can just be patient and endure, if you can just wait and you can fight through those moments, when you get out on the other side, you know you can look back and you can see he was faithful and he was walking with you every minute. He never left you. Amen? Amen, church hang with us today, all right? If you're new here, listen, we're going to have some fun. You can interact here. We're, we call it a hollerback church, all right? If you hear something and you want to come into alignment with God's Word and what it says, you can say amen. You can say yes. You can say let's go, whatever you want, but let's get excited about His Word because it does set people free. That's what's happening right here, right now in this moment, We're coming here and we're looking at his word and we're being reminded that this isn't just information, this is transformation. When we open it up and when we read it, it reads us, it goes into our soul, it pierces between spirit and soul and it transforms us and we will never be the same again. Mark 1, 21, let's start there. Last week, we, we started to hit on this with uh, some of the demonic, the unseen realm, and for me, I, I have to tell you, I, I did ministry for a long time before we started revival these last couple years. Uh, I was in a church. I was a youth pastor. I was a campus pastor. I, I did, I think, over 12 or 13 years of ministry in the church, and I, I never fully understood or realized how important it is to have a grasp On the unseen realm, on the spiritual. There was a piece of me that knew it mattered. There was a piece of me that knew it was important, but I just didn't fully comprehend or live in this world. I still wanted to have one foot into the seen realm what you can see, what you can touch, what you can taste, what you can hear. I wanted to experience life still at times. Jesus won, or (laughs) Jesus, yeah, he's going to talk. Mark 1 21. Jesus, there we go, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue. He went into church, okay? That's where they were going. He went to church, and he began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. It was just information to them. They were just regurgitating what they had learned and what those who had learned before them had passed down to them, year after year passing down information. And so there was no real authority. There was no true transformation taking place. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit, really that word is demonized, he was demonized by an evil spirit, began shouting, shouting, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus cut him short, be quiet. Really what he's saying right there, in, uh, you know, in our modern day terms, he was saying shut up. All right, I know, a little aggressive. You're like, whoa, Jesus is supposed to be nice, all right? He's the lion and the lamb, not just the lamb. Come out of him, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, Threw the man into a convulsion and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Here's what I didn't understand. I've been in the church most of my life. I've been in ministry for a long time. I was under the impression That the demonic had no hold on me, that they couldn't have a place in my life, and and that they could not get a foothold in me. That's what I believed, because I I said, oh, yeah, you know, I gave my life to Jesus, I've been baptized, I have the Holy Spirit. I cannot be demonized. Every time you see a story of somebody who was demonized, it was somebody within God's house. When you see time after time in these stories throughout the Gospels, more often than not, it was people that were a part of God's chosen people that were demonized, and they were under attack. This man was sitting there in the synagogue under the teaching when all of a sudden this demon convulsed in him and spoke out. We think that we are untouchable. And I'll tell you what. The Holy Spirit, he is more powerful than anything the darkness can throw at us. But the deceiver is good at what he does. And what he does is he tricks us into opening doors, into us granting permission for the demonic to gain a place or a foothold in our lives. We have to give the demonic Permission. We have to leave a door open for them to be here. But most of us, we live ignorant of the fact that they even exist or that the spiritual darkness is still a reality today and that demons are still at work today in this world. And so most of us, we, with our demons, like some of us, we just, we let them kind of come in and make a home and we just say, this is who I am. This is how I identify. This is just what I struggle with. This is just how I will always be. This is what I will always have to deal with until the day I die. There are things you don't have to deal with or let have a place in your life, but the enemy has convinced you that it's just who you are and you have to get over it. You have to just deal with it. Jesus often talks about the body being like a house. Here you go. Here's my first illustration. Let's go to Matthew 12. Go to Matthew 12, verse 22. Actually, I'm going to skip ahead here. Matthew 12, verse 43. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty and swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter the person and live there so that the person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Now go to Ephesians. Flip back there. Go to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 26, 27. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. That word for foothold is is a place. Topos in the Greek a place for dwelling. Don't give a foothold to the enemy. Don't give a foothold to the demonic. Don't give a foothold to the devil. In a house, there's many doors, there's many ways in, there's windows. For me in my life, like I said, I, I lived so many years doing ministry and thinking, man, I you know, I'm good. Like, I know I'm saved. And let me tell you something. You are. Your spirit, you are fully saved. But your soul, where your mind resides, that is being sanctified. And then your flesh, our bodies, will be raised new at the resurrection. Or they'll be made new if we're still alive when he comes back. Wouldn't that be great? But our soul, where our mind resides, inside the house... It's possible for us to leave doors open and give the demonic permission to enter. There are doors and windows that we leave open, and there's back doors. This house, this house is amazing, by the way. This is like an old, like, Fisher-Price uh, little people. This is my wife's from back in the day. She told me, don't let it get broken. I was like, oh, no promises. Um, I, I mean, you got, you got a front door, you got a garage door, you got a door inside the garage to get in the house, you got a side door back here, you got back windows, you got a back door into the garage. There's many entrances. There's many ways the enemy can get in and make a place. And, and let me tell you something, that's what the enemy loves to do. And so I even put like some little enemies in here, all right? One of them is like a little, uh, I got the Joker, you know, he's, he's evil, you know? All right, I got, I got a polar bear, you know, polar bear lives up here a uh, little raccoon guy, all right. So we got, we got enemies living in the house, and we give them permission to live in certain parts of the house. We just say, no, 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 that, that area, you know, I mean, that, that area is just always going to be that way. It's always going to be messy. It's always going to be a disaster. I'm always going to have to settle with that area of my life being that way. And some of us, we like it that way. Like some of us, we get really comfortable with our demons, and we begin to kind of like them, and they become like pets for us. And in fact, we even take care of them, and we nurture them. Uh, And then we come here on Sunday, and we kind of close that door to that room, and we're like, no, no, okay, you know, not now, not now, and not, you know, not ever again. But then Monday comes, Tuesday comes, Wednesday, and all of a sudden, we're kind of struggling, we're having a hard week. And we promised ourselves on Sunday we weren't going to go back to that room. We promised ourselves we would never go back to that room again. But man, what happened at work or what happened in my marriage or what happened with that friendship, that, that, that's eating me up inside. And so we go back to that room where we left that demon and we thought we had locked the door and we go back in there and, and we begin to find comfort and we begin to cope in that room. Because that's truly what so many demons are. They are coping mechanisms. Many of us, we have had trauma or things happen to us. And I'll tell you, for me, I've gone through most of my life thinking, I had a great life, you know, whatever, nothing bad, uh, you know, pretty stable family. Uh, And I thought I was, you know, I was like, I'm trauma free. But as you begin to start to read through what trauma actually is and what its definition looks like, you start to realize, oh oh no, there's some trauma points in my life. And there's things that I would use in my life to cope with what I was dealing with or struggling with. Sometimes it's just low-level anxiety. I I never thought that I had anxiety. I never thought that I I dealt with that. But I'll tell you what, since planting revival and doing ministry with this church, I have to tell you something. I realized in these last couple years, the freedom of walking in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you guys, this church, I didn't realize my previous 12 years of ministry, the level of anxiety and stress and worry I lived under trying to live up to the expectations of men rather than just living for him. This church, you've been so good for me in this season. And what he's been teaching me, that's all I wanna do. I just wanna teach Our people. I want to teach you to walk in the freedom and fullness that He offers. You don't have to live with those demons anymore. He wants to set you free. But some of us, we've just bought the lie that this is how it's always going to be. And some of us, we've even had moments where we've dealt with it. and, And like what He's saying here in chapter 12, where we've gotten rid of the demons for a time and we've gotten back control of our house. But if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, if those demons come back and they find the house empty, it's going to be really easy for them to find an open door back into your life. And so you have to start to figure out what are the open doors in your life that you keep leaving open for the enemy to get back in and get that foothold and take a place again in your life. I did ministry for 12 years, and, and there were just things that I thought, you know, I'm not perfect, I'm a sinner, I, I, I don't think I'll ever totally get free from some of these things I struggle with, but I'm going to keep working on it, I'm going to keep trying, I'm going to keep figuring it out, but it seemed like I'd always come back to some of these old coping mechanisms from my old way of life. And so as I was doing ministry all these years, I found myself in just different seasons coming back to this room that I thought I had tried to lock on my own. I tried to shut it, but I had never really kicked that demon out of my life, and I didn't know it was possible to kick that demon out of my life. I really didn't. I thought, this is just how it's going to be the rest of my life, because I didn't believe it was a demon. I believed it was who I was and how I was built, how I struggled, and that it would always be something I would have to fight against. But the more I've begun to study how the enemy works these last couple years, and what it looks like to walk in the power and fullness of the spiritual authority that the king has granted us as his sons and daughters, I've realized we don't have to live like that anymore. We don't have to settle with that anymore. Now, I, I do need to say that there are some things that, man, demons may not always be the answer, how you're struggling, what you're dealing with. But in our world, I think now we have, we've shifted so far to it's never demonic. It's never spiritual. It's always something physical. It's always something mental, And we have to figure out what kind of drugs or what kind of system we need to use to deal with what's going on. We need to shift back to God's word and look there. We need to shift to the Holy Spirit and come humbly before him and ask him to speak to us and show us and reveal to us. Is there a demonic presence at work in my life? This is where the humility comes in. Because I didn't really have that for 12 years of ministry. I believed that it was impossible for a demon to get a foothold in my life, even though I read it in Ephesians year after year. I knew that's what it said, but I thought I was above that. I thought I was above the apostles. We talked about that last week, Uh, Matthew 10. What did Jesus say? Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep, Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cure those with leprosy. And cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. The apostles had received these things from Jesus. Yet here we are today, God's church, thinking we are above that. That we cannot be demonized. We need to come to his word and to the Holy Spirit in humility and be open to what he has to say to us. So when I, when I tell you, my, like, my story, I, I'm just, boy, I'm just gonna tell you. I, this is where it gets tough. Because all the way back to when I was in first grade, it started young. I started having just crazy, here you go, you guys are going to be like TMI from the pastor. All right, but hey, first grade, this is where my demons started. And I started having just crazy sexual imagery running through my head out of nowhere as a, as a six-year-old. And I just thought this was normal. I didn't realize until later on now in adulthood that that's not normal for six-year-olds to have those kind of thoughts or images running through their heads. And it just ran through my head over and over. And I just, I lived with these demons in this house. And I just tried to keep the house shut and not let anybody know what was going on inside. But in this room, these demons lived and they had more than a foothold. They had built a stronghold in my life at age six. I struggled with lust and sexual imagery all the way through, and I know some people now are saying, oh, that's every guy. Let me tell you something. Yes, it's a struggle for men and women, but but there are some things that go beyond just normal struggle in the flesh. There are some things that we can trace back and we can find demonic roots. And I didn't realize it until these last couple years that there are spirits of sexual abuse that can be inherited. It might not even have been you that was sexually abused as a child. It might have been your mom, your dad, or somebody in your family. But these spirits can get a foothold in your life at a young age. And this is how they work. They begin to just make a place here within you and begin to tell you this is just who you are and chase after these things. This is the only way to make the pain go away. This is the only way to feel full or to feel fully alive. And so you begin to chase these things. In Scripture, Exodus 34, 7, we get some answers here about what it looks like when the family has sin that is in the secret, that's, in, that's been hidden, and it's been kept locked in these rooms from generation to generation. Exodus 34, 7 says, I lavish on failing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Deuteronomy 5.9, you must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. This is called a generational curse. It gives access to the enemy in our lives and... uh, here, once again, I'll just stick to my testimony, what I've found out in these last couple years. I thought curses and blessings, all that stuff went out in the Old Testament and that they didn't matter. I thought curses were for superstitious people, for people that believed in four-leaf clovers and, you know, whatever else. But there was a scientific study uh, not too long back where they took these mice, and they would feed these mice these little berries that they really liked. And the mice loved it. They would eat them. But then all of a sudden, they started to put these berries out. And what they would do when they would go to eat them, they would shock the floor of the cage. And so eventually, the mice quit eating those berries. And then those mice, they had another generation of mice. They had kids. And they put those same mice in that same cage, this next generation, and they put those same berries out. And those mice would not eat the berries, but there was no shock anymore. They had taken the shock out. But it had been ingrained into their DNA. It had been built into them. It had been passed on from the generation before. So then that second generation, they had another group of mice. And they put that third generation in the cage. And they put those same berries in there. And there was no shock anymore. The mice refused to eat those berries. And then they did it again. Even to the third and fourth generation. Sometimes we think just alcoholics are the only ones that deal with that hereditary temptation. No, no, no. Our sin, our coping mechanisms, what we use to deal with the pain or the trauma in our lives that we keep hidden in the dark places That we think, no, this doesn't affect anyone else. This is just my thing. This is how I deal with what I'm going through. And it won't have an effect on anyone else. Let me tell you, it is passed from generation to generation. But Jesus came. And he's the curse breaker. There's amen. There you go. There's amen. I didn't know any of this. And then in these last couple years, as I've been trying to figure out why I have been living as a believer for over 20 years of my life, and I was doing ministry at a church for so long, over 12 years, and I'd gotten better at resisting going into this room. But every so often, every few months, or maybe, you know, every like, you know, just once a year, I just had to go back into that room, even while I was in ministry and I had to seek out pornography, or I had to seek out some kind of images to satisfy what was going on in my life and what I was dealing with, I thought, why am I still struggling this way? And it never made sense to me until these last couple years, because I didn't realize that in my family line that there had been a door opened in the generations before me. Dang. Going back at least three generations. I didn't realize as a kid growing up, because nobody talked about it, everybody kind of kept the family secrets hidden away and locked into this room in the corner because they said, oh, it doesn't affect anyone. It, It won't affect the grandkids. We just have to keep it hidden from them. But in the past year... It's finally been revealed. Both my grandparents had affairs and cheated on their wives and struggled in these areas. And the family kept it hidden and locked away in this room and said, we can't tell anyone. It's a shame on our family. It's a shame on who we are because I come from both sides of my family. They come from the church world. Both my grandpas at one time or another were elders, and they were told, you have to lock this away and not tell anyone, or you're out of the game. You're kicked out, you're booted, that's it. Go home and don't play anymore. You're not a part of this church. The church got it backwards. We did. We missed it, and we didn't help people. We just convinced people that they needed to stay in the dark and keep things locked up. And because they did that, It's affected generation from generation, and I've seen it in my family. I've seen it, and I can see it still today playing out. I went to a funeral recently for my grandpa on one side, and I looked around the room, and all I saw were people that were still living under the curse. Every man in that family, every man in that family has had an affair they've cheated on their wives. Every man in that family has struggled with pornography. Every man in that family has struggled with drug use. Every man in that family has struggled with some type of addiction. And I looked around the room and I could see how it had played out and I could see the effect it had on them. Some of them, they are physically affected. And let me tell you something, there is Physical healing that will take place when we begin to bring the darkness into the light. Because when you bring the darkness into the light through confession and you bring it up and you start to repent and you begin to walk in the light, all of a sudden there's physical healing that will take place. And so this is what I'm praying for and believing in my family, that this year is going to be the year that more and more people are convinced that it's okay to step out of the darkness. It's okay to let the demons be exposed and bring them into the light because when we bring them into the light, we can cast them out in the name of Jesus. That's what we're going to do, church. That's what revival is all about. We want to get people real help. We don't just want to tell you, oh, man, just take some medicine and get numb. Or, you know what, just whatever you do to cope, whatever you do to deal with it, just kind of do it in the dark and don't tell anybody. No, tell somebody. Tell somebody today. Don't leave this room without going to somebody and saying, listen, I've kept this room locked and I've only used it on my own and I've only gone here a a few times, but I, I keep going back and I don't want to go back anymore. He doesn't want you to go back anymore either. He wants to set you free. That's what he came to do. He came to set the captives free. Don't live with your demons anymore. We're going to cast them out in the name of Jesus. And some of you here today you're like, that sounds crazy. Don't listen to that demon. <laughs> don't Don't, that's what they do. Paul says take every thought captive. The demons will whisper thoughts to you. They'll tell you that you don't need it, that you're fine, that you're okay. You can deal with it on your own. He that's what they're whispering to you right now. You don't need to tell anyone, you don't need anybody's help. That's pride right there, speaking right to you, trying to make you feel better, trying to make you feel like you got it more together than everyone else in this room, because that's what my family did also. We were so good at that. We were so good at excusing our demons because we could look around and see other people that had been exposed, that we could see other people's sins and faults. That's exactly what the Pharisees did, right? They would bring people's sin out into public before Jesus and say, look at her, and what would he say? Look at you. Let's stop looking outward, and let's begin to look inward and humbly come before the Holy Spirit and let his word, his truth, set us free. That's what he wants to do today. He wants to break every curse. He wants to break every foothold off. Some of you guys are wondering right now, how, how do I know? How do I know if I'm struggling with this? One thing you can do is start chasing down your family history. Start asking hard questions. Ask the Holy Spirit first and foremost, though. Holy Spirit, is there something I need to chase down that has built a foothold in my life or my family's life? Ask him and see what kind of bubbles up. See what the Spirit brings to your mind and then figure out what you need to do with that. If there's a conversation you need to have, if there's a confession you need to make, Start to figure out what those next steps are. If you're trying to figure out what it looks like, what some of the symptoms are of being demonized, some people hear voices. They're dark, they're condemning, they're shaming voices. If you have those thoughts constantly running through your head and you just think, oh no, that's just me, be careful. Because that's what the demons are good at. They're good at masking themselves as your own voice. But all they can do is whisper something to you, and then it's up to you to decide whether or not you take that and you own it and you decide, yes, that is who I am. Yes, that is what I want to believe about myself. There are demons that are whispering to you some of these lies from the enemy. And if they're of condemnation, if they are dark, if they are shaming, then you know it's not from the Holy Spirit, it's from another spirit. Rebuke those in the name of Jesus. The thought of suicide, if you've ever had a thought of suicide come into your mind, that is not from you. You are not suicidal. You are a child of God. You rebuke those thoughts when they come into your mind. and You say, no, get out. I cast you out in the name of Jesus. You take back your spiritual authority. You are a son and a daughter in Christ. He's adopted you into his family. Some people, they won't call these things voices since they're not audible. They just think that they're their own thoughts. What does Paul say? Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought. That's war language. Taking captive, make it obedient to Christ. Rage. Not just temper, not just... Uh, just like, oh, you, you know you just have a moment of anger i 'm talking like white hot supernaturally empowered anger. Some families they even have a name for this kind of uh, of blinding rage that comes upon them. It could even be a generational spirit that 's passed down from one kid to the next in our family we had one family member that struggled with it, and we people would you know try to be funny, but they 'd you know kind of you know say. Oh, that's just psycho Bill. I'll just say Bill in case somebody knows who I'm talking about. That's just psycho Bill. That's not regular Bill. Regular Bill is nice and kind. And so we just kind of explain or laugh away the demons. No, no, no. There is a type of rage that is demonic because there is a foothold here. I mentioned a little bit about sexual abuse, uh, spirits, spirits of sexual abuse, spirits of rape. And I know this can be a hard Uh, topic to even bring up, and I do want to tell you if this is something that you're struggling with, if this is a a trigger for you, uh, our church, we want to help walk with you through this. We have a team specifically uh, in our church that we've been working on and developing for two years now, Uh, and, and it's specifically designed to help people walk through the demonic, to gain freedom over how they are antagonized, oppressed, demonized by the enemy. It's, it's a ministry that we're passionate about. To deliver people, to help walk them through into freedom. And so these sexual abuse spirits, if you've been sexually assaulted. Or maybe if you even know of a family member that's gone through that. Because these spirits can be inherited, they can be passed down. I wasn't sexually abused as a child, but I had sexual abuse demons. I didn't realize it at the time. Like I said, I had no clue because I'm just a kid in a regular church that didn't talk about the spiritual, that didn't talk about demons, that didn't talk about the unseen realm. And I had no clue what was going on inside of me. I just thought this is normal. It wasn't normal. When I was in third grade... When I was in third grade, I I had a dream that I still haven't forgotten all these years later, but I was in a cave with my sister, and I was being chased by demons. And that dream has never left. Like, I can still think back to it to this day, and I can look at it, and I can see what those demons looked like chasing us through the cave. And we couldn't move fast enough, and we couldn't escape, and there was no end in sight And then I woke up. You don't have to live in the cave anymore. You can step into the light. These spirits, they victimize people repeatedly. A blasphemous thought. Even people who love God can get blasphemous thoughts during worship. That could be the sign of the demonic. Condemning thoughts, accusations, belittling uh, yourself, condemning yourself, judging yourself or others, shaming yourself or others. Sometimes from childhood, the spirits use the words that were spoken over you as a child. You are worthless. You are good for nothing. You are ugly. Whatever the lies that the enemy used that were spoken over you. The enemy can still use repeatedly over and over throughout the rest of your life. Take captive those thoughts. Cast them out in the name of Jesus. Self-harm. We have to come at this with a holistic approach because there are some things that we're going to struggle with in life that, that it may not necessarily be demonic. There could be a physical reason. There could be a mental reason, but... We have to be willing to go to the Holy Spirit and let Him be our counselor first and foremost. But then at our church, we have counselors that we work with and recommend that understand the spiritual realm. And so if you're dealing or struggling with trying to walk through some of this and you're not sure what to do and maybe uh, you don't know what it looks like to get free, we have counselors that understand the unseen realm and understand that there's more at work here than just the physical and the mental aspects. And so they'll help you walk through this with a holistic approach. Mind, soul, spirit. Worship team, you guys can come up as we get ready to close here. Matthew 12, 43 through 45. We'll close out there. I want to go back there again. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. So that person is worse off than before that will be the experience of this evil generation. Don't let that be your experience. All I've been seeking these past couple years is more of his presence. That's the answer. The more you lean in to him, the more you invite him in and you realize that you are a temple, you are a house of the Holy Spirit, that he lives and dwells within you, and you let him fill the entire house. All of a sudden, he begins to help you clear and make room in your house, and he begins to take out and wipe away every demon, no matter where they've been hiding from, what corner they've been in, because this is his house. This is his temple. Church, let's stand up. We, we keep trying to live with Him over here in this room. God, you get this room on Sunday, but my demons get these rooms Monday through Saturday. We don't have to live that way anymore. Give Him the keys to your house. Give Him the entire place. Let Him come and dwell here within you. So in this moment, if you want to be filled with His presence, if you want to re- Just have a moment to realign with his will. Invite him in in this moment. Say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill your temple. Show me where I've left rooms for the demons. Expose them in me and bring them into the light here in this place. Don't leave here today without exposing the footholds and the places that they've come to dwell within you. Today's the day. Cast them out in the name of Jesus. Ask for prayer. Start to hunt down with the Holy Spirit's help, the open doors in your life. Because as I began to realize what the doors were where the enemy got in, it began to set me free in ways I never thought I could get free in. He started to show me where these doors were, when I would go and let the enemy come and have that place, that stronghold within me, within my life, where I would go and take comfort when battles came, when struggles came, when anxiety came, and I would try to deal with it on my own instead of submitting and surrendering to the Holy Spirit. He began to show me those doors, and he began to close every door in my life. He began to show me, close it, shut it off. For some of us, it's social media. Every time you open it up, every time you get on there, it is a door for the enemy to get in and have a place within your mind to build a stronghold there. For some of you, it's relationships in your life. There's relationships that you have let the enemy just come and go whenever he wants, whenever he pleases. And he's using that door of that relationship To continually abuse and use you. Close the door. Yeah, we pray right now. Holy Spirit, speak loud and clear. Let us slow down in this moment and hear your voice and unpack what's going on within us, within our hearts. Holy Spirit, just bring up to the front of our mind those rooms that we've closed off and we've said that you can't have a place in, God, we open those rooms up and we invite you in to wipe out the enemy's presence, to clean us, to fill us fresh with your Holy Spirit, with the living waters. Let it run through each and every one of us. We surrender to you today. We don't have to live under the power and the influence of the enemy in those areas anymore. Amen.